Proverbs going verse by verse for one year. And tonight we are finishing up with the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 31. What a beautiful study. It has been so practical and so edifying. Um, it's bittersweet always to finish a book. It's kind of nice to make some progress. And it's also uh, a little bit sad because it's like leaving a good friend. You know, Wednesday night, Proverbs, right? So we're going to do a few of the Psalms uh, coming up next. Uh, there are 150, so we probably won't do 150 of them. Uh, but certainly the, the major ones. So let's ask the Lord for his blessing and we'll uh, dive in. Now, Heavenly Father, we just want to pause and ask you for your wonderful Holy Spirit who's here tonight, present in all of our hearts who have called on the name of Jesus. And you are here to help us to understand these, this truth, your living word, to our hearts and our lives. So we pray, Father, for understanding to open our hearts wide open to receive uh, this revelation, Lord of wisdom. Tonight, so, so many important concepts. We ask, Lord, that you would just assist us and help us to understand, put these things into practice so we can be a blessing. In Christ's name, amen. Every mom is full of advice. There are a lot of momisms in this world, and, you know, she has her favorite sayings, you know. Um, it's what moms do, right? And uh, as children, we... Uh, grow up listening to all of these things that mom has to say. And when we're adults, we look back, uh, usually fondly, uh, at what mom always said. And so I've compiled a little list here of momisms. And the first one my mom really loved to say, I've got eyes in the back of my head, that's how. And she just loved that one. She also said, money doesn't grow on. What? You know my mom? <laughs> How about this one? Don't make that face or it, it'll stay that way. It'll freeze. What is up with that? And, and, and how about that? The clean underwear thing. Just, just in case what? What? <laughs> Where did they get this from? Eat everything on your plate because... <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't really know that we all had the same mom. Uh, uh, and this was the best one, you know, and she used this a lot. And, and maybe Barb used it, too. Uh, because I'm your mom. I'm your mother. That's why. Right? Amen? And all the ladies said? Amen. Wow. Well, a certain ancient king by the name of Lemuel had a mother who was full of advice. And it turns out that it was more than good advice. It actually was inspiration of the Holy Spirit because 
He is the author of Proverbs 31, but only in as much as he is recording his mother's instructions, what his mother used to say growing up. And he kept a little journal of his mother's instructions. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, he put it into sort of a song and a poem and a page from the journal of King Lemuel about his mother's saying becomes the 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs. And so tonight, we're in for a treat. We're going to hear those uh, wonderful sayings that this king's mother uh, taught him uh, growing up. Now, when you hear Proverbs 31, generally speaking, your mind goes to the virtuous woman, the ideal of the uh, woman of valor, actually, in the Hebrew. Uh, but actually, there are nine verses before that that uh, King Lemuel's mother had something to say. Um, and so we're going to take a look at that first, the first nine verses. She was warning him what kind of, well, for, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman, of course, is the kind of, the qualities to look for in a woman. But the first nine verses are a warning of what kind of women to avoid, and, along with a couple other vices to avoid, and what kind of man he should become, especially somebody who's going to become a king. And uh, so, as I said, the first nine verses, we'll take a look at that. We'll read through, and then we'll dive into the Proverbs 31 woman, all right? And so uh, let's finish up the book of Proverbs by starting out here with the first nine verses, the instructions. And now, the sayings of King Lemuel in Oracle, his mother taught him, O my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows, don't, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's his mother's advice, the beginning of it. And she has, uh, she has more to come. And so we're going to dive in here now. The genius of, of the Holy Spirit. To say some very blunt things, and then she, uh, about women, right? Uh, about the unflattering way that some women would use their femininity to be a liability and not an asset to men. Uh, and then she's going to go on and she's going to talk about uh, these wonderful virtues of a woman. But see, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the heart of a mo mother and a wife. You see, so it's so much easier to digest and hear her talk the way she does. If a man was writing this, there would already be offense just at the bluntness of, you know, do, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. That's coming from a woman. You see, and so the Lord knows how to disarm us. You know, there are certain truths in this life that are true. 
but it's hard to receive depending on who's speaking. You know, and sometimes I know I'm not the one to deliver that truth, and that's part of being wise, right? There are certain people who are better equipped or the timing or uh, the relationship uh, need, calls for a different person other uh, than me in this example. And so uh, I think that it's really uh, just a, uh, a real wise way of communicating this truth. So who is King Lemuel? Well, the answer, no one has a clue. No one knows. <laughs> No one knows. So I'm not going to go into all the possibilities because at the end of the pages, it says, well, frankly, nobody really knows. So uh, the important thing was when, when we don't have information, it's because God doesn't think it's important for us to know. What is important here? Here's what's important here. This is godly wisdom. It's called in your text an oracle. That means it's more than mom speaking. The oracle means pr prophetic. In fact, the King James Version has prophecy. The word just means this is a divine utterance. The Lord was at work in this godly woman. And King Lemuel's writing, and assisted by the Holy Spirit. What's important here is that God is speaking through a loving and trusted source to her son of great promise and potential, an heir to the throne. Now, before you excuse yourself from this instruction, uh, we are heirs to the throne. Jesus said, whoever overcomes, and that would be all born-again Christians, because 1 John 5 says, Who, uh, whoever is born of God overcomes. Whoever overcomes, Jesus said, I'll give them the right to sit with me on my throne. We are heirs. The Bible says he has made us a kingdom of kings and priests. And so with our destiny, with our privilege, these are instructions for uh, the children of God, the people of God, the future kings and rulers of the world to come, which is what the Bible says. Now, first, uh, she's saying hey, why she deserves to be listened to and why she can speak into the life of her son in such a deep and personal way. She's going to say there's nobody with a higher and more pure motive than she has. You know, who's got your back like your mother, you know? And so uh, three times she qualifies uh, her right to speak bluntly and to, to have him cling to this uh, information that she's giving. She says, my son, my son, my son, three times. Son of my womb. Listen, son, your life was conceived inside of me. What I'm about to say, man, you could take that to the bank. There's no hidden uh, motives. Nobody has the best motive for you like a godly, healthy mother or father. And so she just brings that up. And she says, son of my vows. Here's what she's saying. She's saying, listen, I prayed for you. I said, God, if you give me a son, I'll raise him up with wisdom according to your ways. You're an answer to prayer. Cooperate. This, uh, God gave me what I asked for, and now I'm just telling you the way to live, to please the God who gave you your life because I asked him to and I vowed. So just, son, just cooperate with me. That's what she's saying. <laughs> so someone with your calling and destiny must exercise self-control, uh, moral restraint, and... Um, and alike. 
So let's just take this thing apart, okay? The first thing uh, is really don't spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. So what is she saying here? She's saying, watch out for women. And the word for women here is not just the generic word for women. Uh, One commentator said it is a term, it's an indelicate description. That's a nice way of saying, you know, it's an unsavory uh, nuance there. Women with no regard for God, um, with uh, no morals, and don't respect their marriage vows. So now, is it these women who ruin kings, or is it the, is it the king who's lusting and has no uh, moral restraint of his own? It's both, you see? And so Jesus will say, woe to the one who stumbles into sin, and woe to the one who caused them to stumble into sin. And it seems a little bit more severe for the person who puts out their leg in front of the person to trip them up, spiritually speaking. And so both will share the blame, but he does say, listen, my mom taught me, and the Holy Spirit is saying, that obsession with lust or immorality really disqualifies you from leadership. And it really does. That's a New Testament um, quote as well. Immorality of this nature would distract a king from serving the people. It undermines good judgment. Uh, It can cause you to lose your standing and your position as uh, uh, somebody who represents the Lord. It exposes him to public scandal. And in this way, his life And calling and ministry, even as a leader, as a king, as a secular king, is ruined. You see David uh, ruined much of his life after Bathsheba. Uh, There was shame and death and pain and years of trouble. Solomon had a wife for every day of the week. Excuse me, for every day of the month. No, excuse me, for every day of the year. That guy. Wisdom. He had wisdom. Except He didn't always listen to his own wisdom that God gave him. And it says at the end of his life, because he was essentially unchecked, unbridled passions, that they, his wives, you know, he really just married to kind of validate his problem being a womanizer, his problem with lust. So he just got a marriage certificate and just made it like, look, I'm married to her. It didn't work that way. And so uh, there was some problem with ruining the last part of his life. Uh, Many are the victims that lust has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. It says there in Proverbs uh, chapter 9. Are you one of them? Are you going to be one of them? That's a good question to ask ourselves. The New Testament says, don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Therefore, honor God with your body. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Christ is in you. And he's watching what you watch. He's thinking you you are dragging him through the thought processes, the lusting, the fulfillment of that sinful desire. You're dragging the Lord 
That is what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. Stop and think about that. We are, to, we are called to crucify uh, these things. So strength and vigor just means <laughs> rather than ruin your life, give your time, your heart, your energies, your passions, your resources to your wife and to your calling, to your God, and not to some immoral a fantasy. So, son, watch out for the obsession of women and a second heads up, an obsession with liquor and partying. Okay, so here we go. It's not for kings. It's not for guys like you with your destiny, your calling, your privilege, your relationship with God. It's not for you to be a heavy drinker. And so we start off here. Here's an admonition for excessive uh, use of alcohol. Now, um, he's really talking about drunkenness uh, and be, being a partier or altering your state. Uh, a clear mind is important to a wise person. Now, uh, he's saying you cannot be a good leader if you're out carousing with the ladies and partying and mindlessly slugging down alcohol. It it doesn't work that way. Now, this is a call to sobriety, but not abstinence completely, uh, because wine and beer, there's the the overall teaching of the Bible uh, does not call for total abstinence, uh, but does call for temperance and wisdom and self-control. And so, really, what what is meant here is drunkenness, going over the line, and excessive drinking. The New Testament commandment says, men of God are not to be given to much wine. To be not drunk uh, with liquor, but to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, And it also would mean uh, not to have this troubling need or desire for alcohol, which really reflects a deeper uh, problem when he says craving. So you don't want to be looking to the bottle to solve your problems or for self-gratification as uh, a leader. So verse 5 gives you the reason why that you're supposed to take a closer look at your how you... uh, uh, are with liquor and partying and immorality. Listen, alcohol clouds your judgment. And so this is the reason that there's a prohibition here and a caution. Because she says, and King Lemuel is saying, listen, and the Holy Spirit, you'll forget things. You'll forget moral principles. You'll get loose in your thinking. You will be not sensitive. You'll get a hard heart to people who have needs. And uh, it's important because your decisions have a great impact for many people. Now, so he says, she, he, he, the scripture's saying, it's not for kings. Special callings, you just have to step it up and understand that this is not something you can indulge in. And everybody who knows that they shouldn't be drinking wine or beer as a Christian, I believe you already know that because God makes it clear. He either gives you a peace, a real peace, or he doesn't. And so I always leave that to the Christian. But there are certain people like drivers 
You know, they have to be really careful with alcohol. Pilots. They've been arrested and hauled out of the cockpit because they're passing out because they've had too much to drink. That's a scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> Presidents. President Trump says, I've never taken a drop of liquor in my life and nor will I ever. You know, I think that's a good idea. Judges. And how about Christians? Christians. You represent Jesus Christ. You've got to be careful out there. So, uh, verses 6 and 7, there's a little sarcastic quip here. Uh, she said to Lemuel, you know who should be getting drunk, son? You know, if somebody's on the battlefield and he's got to have his leg amputated, give him a shot of whiskey. Give him the whole bottle. They're going to cut his leg off. You know, is somebody going to be executed in the morning, son? Is he on death row? Leave the bottle in there with his last meal with the lobster and the baked potato. Leave a bottle of whiskey because he's going to die in the morning. Is there somebody without hope? He's messed up his whole life. He's got 14 girlfriends and he's in bankruptcy and he hates God. He's the one who is drinking. He's the one who's going to the bar. Not you. Because verse 8, listen, this is your job. This is why you're not out partying. You've got to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Be in your right mind. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. So here, really nice. It's not about escaping reality. It's not about running away. It's not about you. When, when God has a calling on your life, it, it's about maintaining sobriety and a morality because you have an obligation to others. And in this case, you want to know what a real man is? From God's point of view, a real man is somebody who looks out for people who are vulnerable and hurting. He's the protector. And you can't speak up and protect when you're out chasing women and getting drunk. It just doesn't work that way. Amen? Amen. Sorry to be so blunt, but I don't know what else, how else to explain it except the way it is. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and so, uh, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Don't let anything cloud that understanding of your calling. And so with that, her first two warnings and her encouragement as to what he should be giving his heart to uh, is finished. And now he's, she's talked about what he should avoid, what she prays he'll avoid, and now what she prays he'll find. This woman, here she comes. Are you ready for her? A wife of noble character who could find. She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. 
She sees that her trading's profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When, she, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. But wait, there's more. <laughs> she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And all God's people said, said, wow, right? (laughs) That is one busy woman. Now, Let's start with uh, verses 10 through 12. Let's walk through this. A wife of noble character who can find. Let's talk about this. Now, sadly, this song is an acrostic poem, and it is a song. Acrostic meaning the Hebrew alphabet from the A to Z, right? Each line and stanza begins with starting with the A in Hebrew alphabet all the way down to the Z, all right, and so it's just a beautiful poem and a song, and it, it is not a prescription given to women to take a checklist and check this off and see how you're doing if you're a virtuous woman or not. It is a song a man is singing in praise of his wife, his devoted wife, his wise, hardworking wife. Here's how Jews understand this. Jewish men memorize this song and they sing it to their wives on special occasions. I heard of one man who sings this song to his wife in Hebrew on the Sabbath, every Sabbath. It is a love song acknowledging the selflessness, the tireless effort, the godly wife and how she contributes to her husband's life. I'm trying to encourage you before we get started, because a lot of women are not here tonight because they were afraid to come. <laughs> Some gals were telling me, listen, just tell me when you're going to hit 31, because uh, I'll be, I won't be there, you know. Um, you know what? I can understand that because if there was a chapter uh, uh, talking about the ideal husband and it listed all these things about like fixing cars and, and repairing things and, and, and to throw in a football and knowing all the sports teams. I mean, if it did that, and you know, he's a great hunter. You, you, you know, he's a, he's a, he uses a shotgun. These are all things that I do not do, right? right? And so 
you ladies have to look at this thing and just go, I don't even know. I, I mean, how many of you, you'd take a sewing needle and you would be dangerous, right? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I understand, but you have to understand this is, this is a love song I, I, idolizing. I mean, the, the ideal here is character. The idea is it transcends gender even. Now, there is no woman ever who does all of this. And then there's no woman in the Bible who does any of this except Martha. Martha, Martha maybe. Martha's the best vote for being a Proverbs 31 woman. Everybody else is going to fail miserably in the Bible. Deborah. Now, let me just give you the best illustration of why you ladies can just Relax right now. Ruth. Ruth is called by this very same Hebrew expression. Ruth is called a, 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 a shet hail. This is a woman of valor. Now listen to this. Ruth is poor and needy. For most of the story, she's not a wife or a mother. Circumstantially, her life looks nothing like Proverbs 31, and yet she's called this. Here's, I'm going to quote somebody who said it much better. Ruth didn't spend her days making clothes for her husband because she didn't have a husband. She was widowed. Ruth's children didn't rise up and call her blessed because she was childless. Ruth didn't spend her days exchanging fine linens with the merchants and keeping an immaculate home. She worked all day in the sun, gleaning leftovers from other people's fields, which was a provision made for the poorest of the poor in Israel. And yet, guess what Boaz says of Ruth before she gets married, before she has a child, before she becomes wealthy and influential. All, quote, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. It's the same Hebrew term. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11. The Hebrew that's used there is the same exact phrase. So there are many women of valor in the Bible. Sarah, Deborah, Mary of Bethany, Esther. These are women who use their God-given unique talents with courage and dedication, and they qualify. This is not meant to be a checklist, and this is what you should be doing uh, it's a conglomeration, a conglomerate of virtues, many aspects of godly character. So let's look as they manifest in a wife. So he says, first of all, it's very rare to find a woman of character or a man of character. Why? Because it's hard work to, to daily deny yourself, to be other-centered, to pick up your cross and follow, to say no to yourself every day. Discipleship has the word discipline in it. So it's really hard to find. And, and the wisdom here is hold out. Find this person. Find this person who's overflowing with character qualities. Better than having lots of money is finding a life partner with character qualities like these a lot of rich guys have miserable lives because they're married to a woman who makes life miserable because she doesn't have character. 
because she does things like run around or she, uh, instead of godly, being a godly wife he, and have reason for confidence, he has uh, confidence because she's not degrading him or putting him down. She, he has confidence. She, she's not out overspending and running up the credit cards. Uh, her, her every move strengthens and protects and preserves. Look at your text, verse 12. Everything he's living for, she's an asset, not a liability. From day one till the day by death they do part. She's an asset to him. He doesn't have to worry. She's messaging some old boyfriend from high school who contacted her on Facebook. And she doesn't say, I need some time alone to go clubbing with my single girlfriends. That's not who he married. He married somebody who he doesn't have to worry about anything. That's a nice feeling. 13 through 15. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. And so in ancient times, and here's the point. Not not only is she um, a rare treasure, she's industrious. And that's the point. You can be industrious and not know how to sew. The point is that you're diligent at your obligations. That's a woman of character. Now, in ancient times, life was just hard to survive. A hundred years ago, it was so much more difficult. So they made their own clothes. They didn't go order them online, or they didn't go down to the mall. They made them. They grew their food. They raised livestock. They drew their water. And women were involved in even building the house inside and outside. And so we see this noble character is somebody who rises to the occasion, shoulders the challenging tasks of everyday life. And so she selects uh, and works with uh, wool and flax. It's, it's talking about clothing. So the point is, is that everybody is going to have what they need in the household. Whether you go out and purchase it, you're providing for it, you're laundering it, you're making sure the kids have clean and warm and appropriate clothing. That's the point. Not that you know how to sew. Amen? All right. You ladies are looking at me with such funny expressions. You're like, we get this, Pastor. Just relax. You know, we knew that. You know, all right. Good, good. So that's the idea here, that everyone in the house has what they need because she works hard. So if, if you want to talk about a Proverbs 31 work ethic, come on, just your life, who you are. You're like concerned, oh, I'm not this woman over here. Yes, you are. Did you raise children? Oh, my word. You're the first one out of bed. You're feeding the baby. You're, you're stoking the fire. You're seeking the Lord. You're making breakfast. You put the coffee on. You're cleaning up. You're running errands. You're taking kids here. You're picking up kids there. You're chauffeuring the laundry. I, I, I mean, come on. The laundry basket in my house 
is empty for about 20 minutes, and then it's filling up again. The, the sink is empty for about 15 minutes, and then there's a cup, then there's a, a knife, and then there's a plate, and then there's another plate, and then it's all filled up again. It just never ends. And because a woman goes about household responsibilities with husband and children, or even not, the hard work of daily necessities and making life work for others. That's a Proverbs 31 kind of gal. And so, um, so to run a household is what they're talking about with tireless effort and with wise choices and careful planning and all of that. 16 through 18. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So she's a rare treasure. She's tireless in her serving and she's an asset to the finances. Now, here's the point. And it's not that she has to work outside of the home. Uh, The New Testament affirms that uh, women primarily, from God's point of view, are to manage the household and to raise children, right? If that's your calling. Uh, and so it's not virtuous to make sure that you have a part-time job. What is being talked about here is that there's no foolish purchasing. There's no racking up charges on the credit card. She's got the the financial health of the family in mind. And she's an asset. So even as how she budgets and how she spends or doesn't spend, or she has a yard sale, or she has a change drawer, right? Or she's just constantly wanting the family to succeed. So she is not the one blasting holes in the side of the vessel because she can't control her spending. She's somebody who's she's got business sense about her. She likes a balanced checkbook and zero on the credit cards. That's what she likes. And if she can sell something by through a hobby or something, that she's just industrious. She cares about the health of the family, fiscally, financially. And so uh, she contributes. That's the idea there. 19 to 21. So she's great at sewing and weaving, and she opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. So when, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. So here's the point here, and this is pretty important here. All this tireless effort and that she's good with the finances, she's an asset, and all of this hard work is not just to build up their family and their family alone, because that's ugly. See, you can be a really hard worker, real dedicated at building your own little kingdom, and it's our family, right? And she's doing this all for her and her husband and her three kids. That's it, right? No, that, that's not a virtue, that's a vice, you see? So she's not that kind of woman. 
The reason she's working hard is she fears God, and she has a tender heart, and she cares not only for the needs of her family, but for those who are unfortunate around her, and as she can, and as God opens up doors, she's willing to help. She's generous. She takes people in. She's hospitable. She's a blessing to others, and that's why when the winters come, and the future comes. She has nothing to worry about because this is the point here. When you spend and you're generous to take care of other people's needs, God takes care of your needs so you can laugh at the future even though you're spending some of your resources to be a blessing and to be giving. She who refreshes others, she herself will be blessed. Now, I changed the gender there. It says he or they, right? But this is the the meaning of this text here. So verses 22 through 24, she makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband's respected. He takes a seat among his uh, co-workers there, the elders in the town. She makes linen garments. She sells them a repetition here and supplies the uh, merchants with sashes. And so the big idea here is because of her character qualities, she is a great reflection on her husband. Listen, and the two shall become what? Uh, Hello? And the two shall become? I'm talking to you guys. If I ask you a question, you got to answer me, right? And and the two shall become? Yeah, there you are. All right. So, so what I do affects and, and casts a light upon Barb. And how Barb conducts herself is a reflection on me. Why? Because we're married, right? And so just the, here comes the benefits of being that kind of woman in relationship to your husband is that people notice and admire They look into a life like this. So there's some repetition here about her ability as a seamstress, uh, but really the wider application is the economic prowess uh, that she has. Uh, She makes, here's, here's the point, the wider application. She makes a home comfortable. That's, that, that's it. She, she makes the bedding, and she, she makes sure that it's a comfortable place. Sewing skills are not, all right? And she takes care of herself. Look at that. She looks good. She does her hair. She wears nice clothes. She looks nice. She's presentable. It's important. We're gonna, about to find out it's not as important as what really makes her beautiful, but it is something that she does. She takes care of herself. And so her character, her reputation really, um, and how she carries herself uh, in public reflects on Mr. Proverbs 31. And so, you know, he's known for now, no domestic worries. Guys look at his life and know the family and see a prosperous household that's well-ordered, a happy marriage, a sweet and kind wife. And when she's around, she's only saying positive things about him. She's not putting him down in their presence, not even joking. Always sweet, always building him up, always proud of him, making him want to serve her as Christ loved the church. And so a life like that looks good, and people look into 
a family like that because that's admirable and it's something we long for. 25 through 27, she's clothed with strength and dignity. Aha. So we just heard what she was clothed with outwardly. She is now clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, faithful instructions on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So now let's talk about the payoff, really. There's a reward for this kind of hard work and character. Um, all hard work brings a profit, and that's Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23. Here she is clothed with strength and dignity. So, you know, she did. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. It's beautiful. She dresses beautifully as, as she can, right? But really, where she gets her beauty is the strength of her character and the honor by which she lives her life. The strength of her character, dedication, love, sacrifice, generosity, and the honor in which she lives, her faith in God, her prayers, her love and respect for her husband and her family and her congregation and the, fa and the family of God, the community. She serves God by tirelessly serving others. So living right before God with a dedicated life, she's not lazy, right, um, brings an anxiety-free life. She laughs at the days to come. She doesn't have to worry. Listen, you're walking with God. You're serving other people. You're doing the best that you can. Or do you have to worry? God is happy with you. You're trying to be a blessing to people. You're not living for yourself. She can laugh. She's like, listen, I've got God's blessing. 28 through 29, we're almost done. Her children arise and call her blessed. Listen, that's not going to happen until they're about 40. <laughs> her husband also, and he praises her. Uh, though my kids do a good job of that. 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. So listen. When you live that kind of life, when you're giving and you're sacrificing, you're helping others to be happy and safe and well cared for and nurtured, and you're setting people up for success. All things being equal, in the end, that's going to bring gratitude and um, appreciation and praise from those who benefited. Now, sometimes, and let me read a nice quote here. Sometimes because of sin and brokenness and hard, hard hearts, sacrifice and love and hard work go unacknowledged by the very ones who benefited greatly over the many years of your devoted care. Let it be known to all that God will never allow a person to go unrewarded and unrecognized for faithful service rendered. Any lack of earthly appreciation will be made up for in full by the applause of heaven and the recompense in the life hereafter. Listen, she doesn't do this to get praise from her husband or for the kids. She does it because she fears God. She loves God. And the way she loves and fears God is through her hard work. That happens for men and women both. We love God by serving God. I love God by saying no to temptation. I love God by 
by being stretched and doing things I don't want to do. I love God by pr- because I, by praying when I don't feel like praying, by wor- worshiping when I don't feel like worshiping, by talking about Jesus when I don't want to talk about Jesus. That's why we do things, because we love him, and we appreciate what he did for us, and that's what she's doing here. And so, you know, her children are one day going to appreciate her, and uh, sadly, uh, sometimes the praise will come outside of the family, uh, and uh, that's too bad. You know, you have a godly mom, you need to email her tonight or pick up the phone and say, Mom, bless you. Let's finish the book of Proverbs 30 and 31. Charm is deceptive, beauty, fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, now she's to be praised. Give her the reward she's earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Well, so here's the closing uh, reiteration of what makes somebody attractive and, and, and beautiful. You know, First Peter chapter 3, you know, the women were uh, all struggling there at that church with trying to have fancy hairdos and outdo with the jewelry and all of this. And Peter just said, stop, listen. He said, your beauty shouldn't come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. And he's not condemning any of that. You can do that. But you don't look at that. That's not the source of beauty. He's saying the source of true beauty is that inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Man, to hear something laid out so clearly, God thinks something is of great worth. A gentle and reverent, quiet spirit, a a helpful person who's other-centered, who's running around doing good deeds like that. That just makes God happy. You know what it says in Proverbs, you know. There are a gabillion, it doesn't say this in Proverbs, but there are a gabillion pretty faces out there. Listen, there are a multitude of attractive, talented people full of charm, male and female. But the most attractive, beautiful people with a bad attitude, with hate in their hearts, with slander on their lips, it makes them ugly. And the proverb says, it says, um, what is that one I'm thinking of? It says, a beautiful woman who lacks discernment is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Now, I didn't write that. (laughs) I pass it along to you from another source, (laughs) the Bible, right? So, yeah, moral goodness generosity, loyalty, love, compassion, kindness, patience, diligence in our work. This makes someone beautiful, male or female. And it does not matter what that's wrapped up in. The package goes away. And the thing about it is, is listen, it just give it this a little, give beauty just a little bit of time and it's going to start to unravel. It's going to start to get wrinkled all right, it's gonna, it's going, gravity, gravity, people, <laughs> gravity, it just 
It's just terrible. I just, I'm telling you, I'm going into the sixth decade. I'm coming up on that. I'm just amazing. I told you, you know, driving a car, it's just, I don't even want, I'm like, whose hands are those? I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm just turning, I, I mean, I'm having trouble hearing a little bit. You know, I went to the doctor, and the doctor's all, yeah, yeah, how old are you? You know, and I'm telling him about, you know, I need some more glasses, I guess. And it's like, how old are you? And, and, and I said, you know, my feet hurt a lot and they seem to be swollen. How old are you? Yeah. Uh, you know what? When you're young and you have problems, you go to the doctor and they fix them. Right. And then when you start to get older, you have problems. You go to the doctor and he goes, how old are you? <laughs> like, there's no way to fix it. This is it. Welcome. <laughs> So it doesn't matter how beautiful you are. We were all beautiful at 19. Amen? We look good at 19 and 25 and then 30. 35? 40? 45? 50? 55? 60? And then what's, what starts to happen? In godly people, there's a shine. There's a countenance. And, and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because there's just the beauty. That's what he's saying. He's saying, give her the reward she's earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I was going to say, I want to be like that. <laughs> I want to be a proper 31 guy. And uh, we praise the Lord. 31 chapters of pleading. My sons, my sons. It starts with my sons. The father speaking. My children. My son, my daughter. Listen to me. Here's the way to be wise. And if you're wise... You'll have peace, you'll have joy, you'll have favor with God, you'll have blessing, you'll have blessed relationships, you'll have it easier. And you'll end in heaven. And here's a way to be a fool. And he gave lots of examples. And he said, you will be in harm's way, you'll be in misery, you'll be empty, lonely, you'll be hurting, and you'll end in grief, and loss of reward, and worse than that, eternal loss. Wisdom, folly, choose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you've made it easy for us. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for changing our hearts that make us want to choose wisely. <laughs> And the path that leads to life, even though it's narrow. Keep us off of that broad road, Lord. And let us take these admonitions to heart. Let us be encouraged, Lord, to be fully surrendered. You don't want us to be perfect, just perfectly surrendered. <laughs> Help us to do that, Lord, because that's where the blessing is. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.